Thanks for tuning in to our bonus episode preview. This is just a short sample of this week's exclusive Patreon episode. You can hear the episode in its entirety by becoming a member at patreon.com slash indoctrination, where you'll gain access to all of our exclusive episodes and merchandise. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into a very special bonus episode. And thanks especially for helping to keep the show on the air by supporting us on Patreon. We could not do it without you. This episode is a little bit different than usual, and that's because the guest is, well, me. One of the questions I so often get from listeners, journalists, and others in the cult education world is how I got into this field. What is my own personal involvement with systems of control? So I thought it would be good for listeners to hear a little bit more about my motivation and get a chance to hear me share some insights on the work that I've done as a cult interventionist for over 30 years now. I don't often talk about myself. I really enjoy hearing other people's stories, and I enjoy having you hear them. But that's why today is a bit different. We enlisted our wonderful new social media manager and recent guest, Andrew Pledger, to pick my mind a bit about my work. Andrew is well-suited for this task as he recently began his own journey as a podcast host on Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, a show offering a platform for people to share their stories of religious trauma. You can find a link to Speaking Up in the show notes of this episode. In a few weeks, listeners of Speaking Up will get to hear this interview. But I wanted to give my Patreon supporters a sneak peek of our conversation before anyone else. Here is my talk with Andrew now. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pledger, and I am beyond excited to have Rachel Bernstein. As most of you know, she is my boss, (laughs) and (laughs) she is the host of the Indoctrination podcast. I've been really trying to get Rachel to share her personal story. And I've been super excited. I know a lot of people are curious. Yeah. I get asked here and there what caused me to be interested because I was not in a cult myself. So that does intrigue people about why Mm -hmm. I would choose this. But no, a whole show devoted to me talking about me is... that is highly unusual for me, even in a conversation, usually after a sentence of me talking about me, I said, but what about you? Tell me about you. Like, I need to like, shift, yes, have the, the spotlight on yeah. someone else, right? As you talk also, you get insights even about yourself. So I'm kind yes. of excited for that possibility. The thing that people are really interested about is like, what was your upbringing like regarding religion, how that influenced your life and who you are? So it was an interesting thing. I grew up Uh, in a Jewish family and have raised my kids in the Jewish religion. It's an interesting thing. A lot of people call Judaism a faith. It's actually not a faith because it's not so much about Mm -hmm. faith. Yeah. uh, I was raised with this idea of um, what my rabbi 
would call predicate theology, which is the action step. Now that you sort of have learned what is a good way to be in the world, what's right and what's mm-hmm. wrong, what are you yeah. going to do? What are you going to do with that? Yeah. And how are you going to fix things? And how are you going to put that into practice? Not just in sort of a passive way of mm-hmm. having faith or um, waiting for something to come your way. So how do you make it happen? And to use religion as a guideline for what direction to go in. And again, how to really define your conscience and your moral code, how you intertwine that with the decisions you make in your life for yourself Mm -hmm. and for the world. So yeah, I was raised with uh, going to Jewish day schools, going to Jewish summer camps, but, you know, all with a very traditional bent, but also egalitarian. It was an interesting mix where boys and girls were equal. And, but still I learned a lot about the prayers and learned a lot of Hebrew and then raised my kids in the same sort of way, not pushing it, but just offering mm-hmm. it and to yeah. see mm-hmm. how much they how much they liked, how much spoke to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been different for my different kids. What is your faith like now? Because I know you're an atheist. Is that true? I think. Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to classify yourself in in a realm mm-hmm. where I feel like we know so little. That's my sense. I remember talking to my mom, who will soon be 90. But I remember standing with her in her garden and she said, it's amazing what God has created. And I thought, I don't even really see it that way. She said, well, then what? who created this? And I said, I actually don't know, but I'm okay with not knowing. And maybe one day we will know and it'll probably blow our minds, but I feel, and this is not at all to offend. This is just my personal view. Mm -hmm. We don't have the answer yet. And the Mm -hmm. idea of God was something that was created by humans, not Mm -hmm. believing that God created humans. Was that the first time when you talked with your mom, when you started questioning it or did you question before that? Well, when I was younger, I did believe in God. I remember night I would pray to God. Mm-hmm. If I was nervous about something, I prayed to God. And then I started hearing all these stories that just didn't quite come together. Mm-hmm. I was raised with so much Holocaust history. A lot of people grappling with trying to figure out where God was. If yeah. these are your quote unquote chosen people, I'm like chosen for this. Also, if God is there, why would God let this happen? How do mm-hmm. we answer those questions? So it stopped being able to be something that could easily be applied. Once I started mm-hmm. finding out about people's suffering and what was happening unabated, that people had opportunities, even the presidents had opportunities to intervene and didn't, you know, didn't bomb the railroad tracks going to the yeah. concentration camps just because politically it wouldn't have been a good idea. Uh, Where was God there mm-hmm. sort of sort of guiding their hand to do the right thing? And, you know, having Passover seders, which I... I have been leading since my dad passed away when I was young. The torch was given to me to lead them. Mm. And I remember being asked a lot, well, okay, so, you know, Jews were slaved for 400 years, Africans, Americans slaved for hundreds of years. Where was God? When there wasn't a kind of an answer to the question and the answer felt forced, like, well, that was to help people have a sense of themselves or to really mm-hmm. ha- cultivate this feeling of a need for freedom. I thought, oh, that sounds like BS. Like, that's just like, feel, <laughs> that's to make yes. sense of something that where the answer doesn't quite fit. It was like, you know, square peg, round hole theology to me in that moment. I thought, mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, you know what? Why don't I just 
shelve that for a while and think that maybe there isn't kind of an order to mm-hmm. things and a reason for everything. And maybe there's happenstance and chaos and things that just happen for no reason at all. I remember also, mm-hmm. this is a long answer, but I remember my my rabbi one time being asked, you know, why me? Why, why did I get cancer and my sibling not? What did I do wrong? And I remember him talking about how nature doesn't have a conscience. Something bad doesn't happen to you because of you. That also sort of pushed God a little bit farther away. I don't think that was his Mm. intention, but I thought, okay, well, then there isn't um, predestination and there is randomness. There are some people who are much more comfortable with that than others. There are times in people's lives where they go back to belief. And it could be that if I'm going through a very hard time or an illness, God forbid, right? I even mm-hmm. say God forbid, but that's just an expression. <laughs> um, that I might start praying to God. Like, fine, you know, jury might still yeah. be out that if there's a God or not. And it's more like, why not? It was just very Jewish. Like, why not? I'm kind of all over the place with it, but I guess my sense right now in my life is I don't need it. And it doesn't make Mm. sense to just answer the question that way. Yes, that's so interesting because like when I've talked to different people who deconstructed their belief systems, they're like, the answers they gave me weren't satisfying anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I see with what you're saying. You're like, they gave me these answers, but they weren't satisfying. And It's really interesting, too, how you're talking about the nature thing, because I think, honestly, what your rabbi told you was a a healthy way to look at it. Were there any teachings in Judaism that you felt like were toxic to you in any way? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I think the Job story is problematic, because what is the lesson there? (laughs) And wow. And so those kinds of teachings were really difficult. I know that there are some teachings too, as you get more orthodox, and this is, you know, going to happen, I think, in any religion where it Mm -hmm. gets to be more about, well, that happened to you because of this. And that's never going to work for me. And also the sexism, that's a problem. As you grew up and, you know, you started to see those instances of like, oh my gosh, like this religion is supposed, you know, to show love and compassion, but it's not like, how did you deal with that as you grew older and started to, I guess, kind of go away from that? Right. So what I decided to do was to still have a connection to my tradition as a tradition. That's why it's not just considered a faith. I mean, you can be linked to your Judaism through DNA. So that's more than just faith. And mm-hmm. so the fact that there is a certain kind of people, and I did this, the 23andMe, mm-hmm. you know, DNA testing, and I'm a Jewy Jew. I was like 99.9%. <laughs> But I think that what has been interesting is that when you get older and you realize what matters to you, and what matters to me is continuity. My ancestors were killed because of their religion, were persecuted, Mm, were put in cattle cars. I would feel like it would be wrong of me to kind of just decide to let it die with me if I Mm. know people had risked their lives for this to keep Mm. it going because they felt there was something special about it. So that's why I have passed on the traditions, but people can Mm. believe what they want to believe. We're still going to celebrate Hanukkah. We're going to celebrate Passover. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to high holiday services. And if you say the prayers, you could be praying to Mm -hmm. yourself 
to guide yourself and how to be, you could be praying to God. That's optional to me. But I mm-hmm. like that there is this sense of what they call in Hebrew, Lador Vador, from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it going because I have mm-hmm. the freedom to do it. And you never know when you're a Jewish person, when that freedom is going to be taken away. So yeah, I know I have a lot of relatives who sleep mm-hmm. with passports under their pillows just from their upbringing. So oh, thrown wow. out of country suddenly because mm-hmm. they decided that you who's always been in that country is now an enemy. And a lot of other peoples have had that. And I think about Japanese mm-hmm. internment camps and, you know, yeah. like sudden, there have been a sudden shift. Like, mm-hmm. Are you really part of this population or not? Are you an American or not? And for someone else to decide suddenly that you're not. So it can put people on edge, certainly. But what helped, though, is was having a connection to a community. You know, it kind of led one of my relatives into looking for something else because I think she didn't have that feeling of connection. And she went searching, found something that turned out to be a cult. And that Mm. moved me into this Mm. whole realm. Yes. And so since you mentioned that, we'll dig into the next question, which is really like, you know, what inspired you to become a cult expert? Tell me the personal story behind that. I know it has a lot to do with your sister. Right. So what was interesting was that while my sister's involvement with a particular group that's very litigious, and I don't know if you want to have to deal with them, so I won't mention Mm -hmm. them. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. Anytime. But what was alarming was to see this person who was so full of life and fun and capable suddenly like shutting down and being very serious and being very secretive. Mm. And all of the money that she had made, I mean, we were all told to work at a young age. So we had a babysitting counselor camp money, Mm -hmm. whatever we did. So suddenly the money that she had raised through working at, I think IHOP or wherever she had been working Mm -hmm. and camp counseling was gone. We knew how many years she had worked to collect and money. And I think she was saving up for helping to pay for her college, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And she was lying for one of the first mm-hmm. times in her life and not wow. telling my parents where she was going and coming back at, you know, at all hours of the night. And, and it was so interesting to see also this sense of almost hubris, like she knew what was better. I, for lack of a better psychological term, kind of obnoxiousness. and. So even though her involvement was short, the thing that probably made the biggest impact, not only was the the change and the secrecy Mm -hmm. and all of that, but when my parents talked to her about why she got involved, she said, this is before they knew what it was and they had heard Mm -hmm. it was something that calls itself a church, turns out not to be. Mm -hmm. It's as much of a church as like the mafia is a church. Um, And so she said, oh, my best friend from school um, doing her own thing. And she, you know, she's like this independent adult, even as a teen. And she did this so that she could get along better with her parents because she and her parents were Mm -hmm. fighting all the time. In that moment too, I learned about how people intervene in different ways and what's more successful than other things, because Mm -hmm. my mom through no fault of her own was very kind of punitive. You can never go back and you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That was not going to work, um, especially for like a 17 or 18 year old. But my dad, who had his own way, said mm-hmm. to my sister, would it be okay if we called your friend's parents? And if they agree that this has actually been a good thing, even if we're not happy with how it's gone and we don't like mm-hmm. the secrecy and that all your funds are gone, et cetera, and you've changed in so many significant ways. If this really has helped in family relationships, in their family relationship, okay, then we'll consider it. 
my sister, not knowing that there was anything suspicious yet about this group, said, sure. And my dad called the parents and I remember he put it on speaker or whatever. And my dad introduced himself, et cetera, and uh, said, you know, it seems like your daughter is doing so well. And even though she's living independently now, you know, she has mm-hmm. this great relationship with you. And there was a silence. And suddenly the mom of this other girl said, where did you see our daughter? And my dad said, I'm sorry, what, what do you mean? I actually haven't seen your daughter, but I know my daughter's friends uh, with your daughter or whatever. She said, we put out a missing persons uh, report. We don't know where she is. And so it was so startling mm, because yeah. the way it had been defined by the group was, this is how you get along better with people. This is how you get along better uh, with your family, get along better with your parents by never seeing them again. That actually uh, was startling to my sister. Wow. She didn't know that was going to be the intention. Like that's the trajectory. Mm. So I thought, what the hell is this? And yeah. then we started doing some research, found out this group gets tax exempt status as a church. Oh, and she also dropped out of school because school is not oh, important. No. Okay. So that was the first step. I then started learning about cultic groups. 